Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. doing today. I pray that you're doing well. It's a gorgeous day here in Tulsa. And you know the old expression that every day is the first day of the rest of our life. And it's right. It's right. And one of the uh, favorite sayings, hold on a minute. <coughs> Excuse me, I had to sneeze. One of the f- wonderful sayings of St. Francis de Sales, one of our um, four patrons, is that we begin again each day. Each day we begin again, and St. Benedict, we're Benedictines. Uh-oh, I'm having a little sneezing fit here. Also, we begin again. Each day we begin again. Um, and it gives us hope. Maybe we didn't reach our goal yesterday. Maybe we failed in our goals yesterday. Maybe we did nothing yesterday. Maybe we did great things yesterday, and we may fail today. Every single day we begin again because we have a God who gives us the grace every single day. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. That's from um, Lamentations chapter 3. That Jer- The weeping prophet Jeremiah wrote that. And he said that God's mercies are new every day, morning by morning, new mercies I see. It's a wonderful thing. And that gives me hope. If, because if I focus on my failures and what I fail to do, and what I did that I shouldn't have done, oi, 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 and it's, it just would bring me down. But I say, no, I focus on the mercy of God, um, and he gives us a new hope, new start every single day. So we have been reading, and I'm going to continue today, um, Declaration of the Truths Relating to Some of the Most Common Errors in the Life of the Church of Our Time. Many people are confused about what is true, what is not true, what doctrine does it change, what should I believe now, this one said this, this one said that. And these four wonderful holy men of God have written this for the record, the Declaration of Truths that we should believe. And they have 40 points of to clarify in short form. It's not a treatise on each. It's simply a clarification of what the Church believes and what we believe as Catholics written by four wonderful men of the church, Cardinal Raymond Leo Burke, um, patron of the Sovereign Military Order of Malta, Cardinal Cardinal Janis Pujats, Archbishop Emeritus of Riga Tomasz Peter, I'm messing up those words, I know that, Archbishop of the Archdiocese of St. Mary in Astana, which is, um, I think, where uh, these three men are from, other than uh, Cardinal Burke, which is um, in Kakistan, Russia, Far East, and then Jan Powell Lenga, Archbishop, Bishop Emeritus of Karaganga, and then Ath- Bishop Athanasius Snyder, who we love very much, Auxiliary Bishop of the Archdiocese of Mary, St. Mary in Astana. And now I know this is terrible because now we're on video and I have to blow my nose. Excuse me. Okay. I think that's the first video of my blowing my nose ever in the world. Um, So I'm going to continue 
from where we were. We started with the fundamental, an introductory, and you could find this online, beloved, and I suggest you do and read it to your families. Declaration of Truths relating to some of the most common errors in the life of the church of our time. This is not a matter of who or what to believe. There's no opinions here. Uh, this is strictly church teaching, the church of the living God, the pillar and bulwark of the truth, according to St. Paul's words to Timothy. And so we went over uh, the fundamentals of the faith, um, the right meaning of the expressions living tradition, living magisterium, magisterium, hermeneutic of continuity and development of doctrine. And we won't go over those again. And then the meaning of dogmatic formulas remains ever true and constant in the church, even when it is expressed with greater clarity or more developed. In other words, no matter how much truth develops, like the acorn that develops into a tree, um, it needs to be consistent with the doctrine. It cannot change doctrine. And then we went into the creed. Um, the kingdom of God begun here below in the church of Christ is not of this world whose form is passing and so forth. We covered that. And then the fourth point, after the institution of the new and everlasting covenant, Jesus Christ, no one may be saved by obedience to the law of Moses anymore. It is faith in Christ. And Jesus said, if you believed Moses, you would have believed me because he spoke of me. He is the only God, the only savior of mankind. Um, and everything in the law was holy and righteous and good. But the law, says St. Paul, was our schoolmaster, our tutor, our disciplinarian. The law kept us straight until the fulfillment of the law came, who is Christ, and the new covenant in his blood versus the blood of all the old dead animals in the old covenant. So now we take the fifth point. I've gone over these maybe too quickly, but now we begin with the fifth point. And they write, Muslims and others who lack faith in Jesus Christ, God and man, even monotheists, in other words, those who believe there's one God, cannot give to God the same adoration as Christians do. That is to say, supernatural worship in spirit and in truth of those who have received the spirit of filial adoption. So now, Muslims... Uh, Jews, others, can believe in the one true God. Uh, the Jews were the first two that he revealed himself to um, as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, and however, Christ is the fulfillment of all that went before. And only through Christ, baptized into him, being born anew from above, not just from our mother's womb, but being born again from above of water and the spirit, can we be true, true sons of God? Um, and we alone have received the spirit of adoption, those who are in Christ. And this says um, no one else can give to God the same adoration as Christians do. How is that? A Christian is uh, a follower of Christ. And if we go back to the first century, um, the word Christian, uh, the scriptures say in the book of Acts that they were believers, followers of Christ, the Messiah, were first called Christians at Antioch. And it was a derogatory term. It was kind of a 
cursing them to call them Christians. Why? Because the Jews were slaves to the Romans. And when you were somebody's slave, um, after, well, seven years, uh, when you would be set free at the Jubilee, uh, if you didn't want to be set free, um, you could say, we want to remain their slaves, their servants. Now, not out of true slavery, but out of our own free will. We grew up with this family. We married. We had children. Our children live with their children. We love this family. We want to continue to serve them of our own free will. And so they took their master's name. Let's say the name was Smith. And so they took the name Smith and they added a possessive suffix to it, I-A-N, meaning belonging to. And so their name would be Smithian. And they'd be very proud of it. Now, in the day of Christ, uh, of course, his name is uh, in Hebrew, Mashiach, into the English is Messiah, into the Greek is Christos, into the English is Christ. It's not his name, it's his title. He is not Mr. Christ, he is Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Anointed One. And so the Jews who didn't follow him, who didn't believe in him, looked at the Jews who did because he came to his own who were the Jews, and the first Christians were Jews. He came to his own people, and it was to the Jew first before the gospel spread to the rest of the world. But the Jews who didn't believe looked at those Jews who did and said, you're his followers, you're his slaves, you're Christians. They gave them the title Christ and named and added to it the suffix I-A-N meaning belonging to. So they called them Christians, which became, of course, Christians. And the, those Jews who believed said, we'll take it. We are indeed his followers of our own free will. Yes, Call us his slaves. We'll be happy to be his slaves. That's right. He gave his life for us. We will follow him. Absolutely. And so that's how Christian first became. And so the only ones that can truly adore um, God as he has revealed himself to us are those who are Christians, who are followers of the Christ, who are baptized into him. And that is in um, to be baptized into the Son of God is to be baptized into the whole Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the true God, the triune God of Abraham. So I'll, I'll leave this point at that. And we are the sons of God, true filial adoption. We are adopted into his family. Number six, spiritualities and religions that promote any kind of idolatry or pantheism can, that is to put anything above God, to worship um, idols made of their own hands, or pantheism, God is in everything, uh, to worship a tree, whatever it may be, cannot be considered either as seeds or as fruits of the divine word, since they are deceptions that preclude the evangelization and eternal salvation of their adherents, as it is taught by Holy Scripture. This is a um, quote from Second Corinthians, Paul's letter. He said, the God of this world, small g, the God of this world, who is that? That is Satan. The God of this world has made blind the minds of those who have not faith so that the light of the good news of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, might not be shining 
on them. You see, it is the devil himself that has blinded us. It is the angel of light, the highest, most beautiful, most intelligent angel God ever created, the angel of light, Lucifer, which means light, who fell and became the devil. And Satan is actually the Hebrew word for it. And so he has fallen and he wants everybody to be fallen with him and he wants everyone to worship him. And and truly, beloved, we say, well, I don't worship Satan. I don't always follow God, but I don't worship Satan. Well, if you don't follow God, Satan doesn't care if you worship him. He only cares that you don't worship God. So you miss church on Sunday. You're a little dishonest at work. uh, You put work before your family, men. You don't lay down your life for your wife. Wives, you're controlling, you're working, you're not making children in the home, your first place, all of that. You're not living for God. You're not living with God. That is Satan's distortion. And Satan would be very happy if you don't know it. He'd be very happy if you don't amend your life. The only thing he doesn't want is for you to really live God's design because that will free you. That will make you holy. That will make you a witness in this world, even if you never say a word. Okay, we'll go on to point seven. I know we could spend much longer on every one of these points, and I'm tempted to, but we'll never get through the paper. So point seven in this paper, true ecumenism intends that non, listen to this, true ecumenism intends that non-Catholics should enter that unity which the Catholic Church already indestructibly possesses in virtue of the prayer of Christ, always heard by his father, quote, that they may be one, end quote, John 17, and which she professes in the symbol of faith, quote, I believe in one church, end quote. Ecumenism, therefore, may not legitimately have for its goal the establishment of a church that does not yet exist. This is extremely important. These holy men of God, these four men of God, all bishops, two cardinals, um, are, are speaking about grave errors and dangers and evils that are both occurring and being proposed in our day. Ecumenism, to begin with, does not mean we all get together and respect each other and accept each other's beliefs. It never means that. True ecumenism is, has it as its goal um, that everyone would be Catholic, that everyone would be saved, that everyone would enter the one holy Catholic and apostolic church without which there is no salvation. That is true ecumenism. And you say, well, I'm Catholic, but I don't believe that. Then you're not Catholic. You need to know what the Catholic Church believes so that you're either in it and rightly represented or you're not in it and don't and you don't um, give it a bad name. You need to know what you believe. You need to know who you are. And the last sentence here, ecumenism, therefore, true ecumenism comes together with Muslims and Jews and uh, atheists and everybody so that we can find out what it is they believe and they can find out what it is we believe and we can help them with whatever truths they do have to the full truth. Just as in Acts chapter 8 on Mars Hill, the men were worshiping uh, the tomb of the unknown God 
and uh, the Apostle Paul went up and said, let me tell you who he is. And he spoke to them of Christ. That's the purpose of ecumenism, to bring everyone to Christ and the church he founded, to the triune God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The last sentence here says, and this is very important for what's happening today, ecumenism, therefore, may not legitimately have for its goal the establishment of a church that does not yet exist. That is to say, in our time, many are speaking of a global, universal church, a global, universal religion. There's no such thing. If that ever happens, beloved, it's a betrayal of God, and it is the religion of man. It'll never be of God. There is only one true religion, and it is the religion of the God who came to earth. We could never get to him by any amount of good works. We could never get to God. We could never be good enough. It was God who came to us and paid the price for our sin that we could never pay and rose from the dead to give life to all who will come to him through the church he established through no other means. In the Old Testament, if you wanted to come to God, you went through his people Israel in the assembly of people he established. You could not do your own thing. And when people within Israel started doing their own thing, offering strange fire and all of that, they were put to death. Their whole family was put to death. No different in the New Testament. God has established his church on Israel. And the Catholic Church is Israel at its foundation, um, spread through the Messiah to the four corners of the earth. And there's no other name under heaven, says Paul, by which we must be saved but Christ. Not Jesus and me, not a Christ of our own making, but a Christ that came to establish his church, the Catholic Church, the universal church, not an invisible body of believers, but a city set on a hill. Okay, number eight. Um, hell exists, now though there are people who are denying that today, there are people denying that hell exists, or they say it exists, but nobody's going to be there, or there's a reasonable hope that people won't be there. There's no reasonable hope. Our Lady of Fatima talked about people who go to hell. Uh, Our Lord spoke about hell in the New Testament more than any other subject. I'll read this again. Hell exists, and those who are condemned to hell for any unrepented mortal sin, mortal means death, mortal means a severance from the grace of God. Mortal is death. Hell exists, and those who are condemned to hell for any unrepented mortal sin are eternally punished there by divine justice. This is straight from Matthew chapter 25. Not only fallen angels, but also human souls are damned eternally. Eternally damned human beings will not be annihilated. There are people who don't believe in hell. There are religions that don't believe in hell. They just say to death, we don't, we cease to exist. We're annihilated. No, no way. No way you will ever find that supported in scripture or the teaching of the church for 2000 years. Eternally damned human beings will not be annihilated since their souls are immortal. According to the infallible teaching of the church. And again, in these papers, there are many references that these bishops and cardinals have given, and I'm not taking the time to go to those references, but they are there. 
And if you say, you know, mother, you sound so mean, so harsh, so matter of fact, so unloving, so, you know, who wants a religion like that? I do. And so do you if you love God. So do you if you love God. He said to the Jewish leaders, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. And then he said to them, but you will not come to me that you might have life. He wasn't soft with them. To, to tell the truth to people is the most loving thing you can do. And in my heart, beloved, I don't feel harsh. I don't condemn anybody. I couldn't if I wanted to. I'm, I want to speak this forcefully and clearly and truthfully because there is no other truth. This is not opinion. This is not one faith against any faith. The Catholic Church is not a denomination. It is the very church for whom, for which, our Lord gave his life. Um, There is no other church. There are others that broke away from the Catholic Church that are doing their own thing, and they call themselves churches, but they are not the Catholic Church. They are not the church our Lord established, beloved. And there is salvation in no one else and through no other means but the Catholic Church. Um, And there is no one, whether they've been raised an atheist, a Muslim, a Jew, a Buddhist, a a Protestant, 40,000 Protestant denominations plus, no matter how you've been raised, beloved, God has said to seek him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And a true truth seeker, one who truly seeks God, um, God will lead all the way. He will lead all the way. I spent 18 years trying to save Catholics as a Protestant from my Jewish background. And when my heart wasn't even open to the Catholic Church, I was kind of hit with some powerful electric shock to know that I had to look into the claims of the Catholic Church or I'd be turning from God. I had no desire in the world. And it was almost a five-year agonizing journey And during the whole of that journey, I had one card on my desk that was given to me years before. There was a birthday card from a friend, and it said this, if I can remember it. May he, that's Christ, may he guide your way, who himself is thine everlasting end, that quick or slow, still to himself may tend. I'll say it again. May he guide thy way who himself is thine everlasting end, that quick or slow, still to himself may tend. I was concerned for three of those four and a half years of my journey that Satan himself might be leading me astray. Who does he want to lead astray most except those who want to live for him most? And I had been taught that the Catholic Church was the whore of Babylon and... um, Satan system, false religious man-made system leading people to hell. That's what I was taught. That's what I believed. But that card, I said, no, Lord, if this is true, even though it, you seem like you'd, if the Catholic Church is true, I thought, what God have I known all my life? It's so different from the God that seemed to be uh, revealed to me as I became a Protestant Christian in his son, the Messiah. This is a different God almost. But I said, do I want the God I came to know or do I want to know God as he truly is? You marry a man, you marry a woman, 
and maybe you're all on your best behavior during your dating years, and then you marry and you find out problems with one another or deep, deep wounds or habits or preferences or weaknesses or strengths, and you say, no, I don't want that. I want the man I married. I want the woman I married. Well, this is the man and woman you marry. Do you want the man and the woman of your making, or do you want the one that God gave you to really, really know and love? And I said, no. I, who am I, little finite thing that I am? I want to know God as he is and as he has given himself to us to know. And I found out there's only one way to know him and to be fully in union with him, and that is through the church he established and through the sacraments and receiving his body and blood, as he said in John chapter 6, not symbolic but truly, and in getting to know his mother, the one through whom he came to us and through whom he continues to come to us and to learn that there's no deeper, surer, faster way to Christ than through the woman that he gave to us. So that's a lot, beloved. Um, We need to know our faith and we need to be witnesses in this world that's being led astray by the many. There's the music for our first break. Uh, call in with anything on your heart, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. Have you been donating to the Station of the Cross by a credit card that's recently expired? If there have been changes made to your payment information, please call us so we can update your account. 1-877-888-6279, extension 104. Or update your information online at thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for your generous support of Catholic Radio. If you're new to iCatholic Radio, welcome to the free mobile app of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. It's available for download to your Android and Apple mobile devices. If you have any questions about your new app, please contact us at thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. Through your new app, you can listen to podcasts of shows, conference talks, and prayers. View our programming grid, call us directly, and check out our mobile website. You can even learn how you can promote iCatholic Radio in your community. Connect with us through social media and financially support the programming you love. That's all available on your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Thank you for joining our iCatholic Radio family, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in excerpts from A Prayer by St. Bonaventure. Pierce, O most sweet Lord Jesus, my inmost soul, with the most joyous and healthful wound of your love, and with true, calm, and most holy apostolic charity, that my soul may ever languish and melt with entire love and longing for you, may yearn for you and for your courts, may long to be dissolved and to be with you. Amen. 
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. I thrilled to be with you. And we now uh, are going to take your calls and your emails for the rest of the program. Hang on just a minute. And I'm going to take the first email. And our lines are open, by the way, if you wish to call in at the toll-free number 1-877-511-5483. And I say to you who are maybe newer, uh, anything on your heart. It does not have to be anything we're speaking of. It could be anonymous. Whatever is on your heart is is the issue. Uh, We have a text from someone who writes, um, I am a devout, hold on now, here, I am a devout Catholic in my 60s. I was remarried 12 years ago to a Jewish man in the Catholic Church after receiving a dispensation from the bishop. We were both widowed and married in the Catholic Church. After marrying in a civil ceremony, my husband is now Okay, we were both widowed and married in the Catholic Church after marrying in a civil ceremony. My husband is now 69 and loves to spend lots of time with his longtime friends, also Jewish, though not too religious, just celebrating the holidays. They think it's perfectly okay to visit strip clubs as entertainment. Their previous former wives thought it was okay, as do their now adult daughters and think I should just close my mouth. My question, is this adultery? I have expressed my opinion to my husband, but he feels his married daughters are okay with it, and I'll just have to live with it, since he's not doing anything wrong. Again, is this adultery? Thank you for any clarification. Well, the scriptures say that if any man looks on a woman to lust for her, he commits adultery in his heart. So the answer is yes. You don't go at a, strip, at a strip club and not look at the naked women. So, yes, it's adultery. And you say, well, I look at them, but I don't lust for them. This is a little far-fetched. No. Yes, why do you go to strip clubs? Can you imagine Jesus doing that? Can you imagine Mary doing that? No. To a man's club, of course it's sin. However, my dear one, you have married a Jewish man. Even though your marriage, you're married in the Catholic Church, it was raised to a sacrament, but your husband's not Catholic. He's agreed to no norm- moral standards, and he is not Catholic. And that is the consequence of marrying out of the faith. I would beg all of you, uh, no matter your age, you could be 19, you could be 119, don't marry out of the faith. If you do, you can say, we love each other, everything's going to work out. That's just emotional witch- wishes. The reality is always different. It's always different. And a marriage, it, it cannot work. It will not work if you're both not Catholic. I'm telling you, this is the example of it. No um, man who loves his wife would say, well, I'm going. It's okay with my daughters and you just have to live with it. That's not love. That's not morality. That's not heroism. That's not a man putting his wife first. That's not living your your vocation as a husband or as a Catholic or as a Jew. A true Jew would not do that. 
would not do that. That is living in utter debauchery and sinfulness. So yes, it's absolutely sin. You can try to talk your husband into it, but the fact is he has no um he has no obligation. He's not practicing his Jewish faith. He's obviously not practicing his Catholic faith. And he has not made any vows to God to be Catholic. I don't know what his vows were when your marriage was um, validated in the church. I don't know what his responsibility was, but he's certainly not living a Jewish or a Catholic life. He's living a sinful life. What can you do about it? Uh, You can try to be as loving as you can. You can try to live as holy a life as you can. You could speak lovingly to him and say, my dear husband, uh, it is idolatry. Um, You show him Matthew chapters uh, 5, 6, and 7, and you tell him it was written by a Jew. Matthew was a Jewish tax collector, written by a Jew. And if you look in Jewish law, Catholic morality, 101. Uh, I mean, Jewish morality, 101. It's it's sinful. So you can tell him that he is free to live a sinful life, but he is living a sinful life, and it may not mean much to him, but he has married a Catholic woman and has agreed to have his marriage raised to that of a sacrament, and he's violating the sacrament. He's violating uh, you as, as, as your husband. And he's violating um, God's holy law as a Jew or as a Catholic. You tell him that. And outside of that, your job is to not control him, not keep complaining, not boss him around, but treat him lovingly, live a holy life. And um, when he goes out with his friends like that, you try to be at the church and be before the Blessed Sacrament and be praying for him the whole time if you can. We have a text with the same message here. Is it adultery for a married man to visit strip clubs with his friends? This man does not see anything wrong with it and will not change. Thank you, Mother. I don't know if that's the same person or not, but it's the same answer. Email number one. Okay, from somebody who's written in anonymously. Dear Mother Miriam, God is so good. Amen, I say to that. Amen. She says, I am the mother who asked about attending a non-Catholic Christian home service, I remember you, and also about showing my children non-Catholic Christian material. Thank you with all my heart for your clarification on my concerns. I remember this one. This is the one that I, this woman is married, and I believe your husband, his parents are ex-Catholics, and the father's a pastor, and you were going to visit them for the weekend, and the father was going to, conduct a Protestant service in their home, should you attend. And I didn't even think it was a Sunday. I wasn't thinking about that. Um, but I said yes, just out of love and, 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 you know, to respect them, you know, have the opportunity to open the subject and speak to them. And then I corrected it the next day and said, no, absolutely not. You should not be doing that. You don't want to validate what they believe, especially that they're ex-Catholics, and you don't need to subject your children to that. Absolutely. So here she's writing in, thank you with all my heart for your clarification on my concerns. I listened to the podcast on Monday evening and my heart sank to my stomach when you had advised me to attend the service and to show my children the material. Well, my my dear one, I'm so glad your heart sank to your stomach and I apologize for putting you through that. Um, 
Okay. Um, oh, there's the music. I'll finish your email as soon as we come back from the break. It's our last break, dear ones. It's very short, and our lines are open, so feel free to call in with anything on your heart, one 877 5483 or email at mother at Many outside the Catholic Church misunderstand her teachings, but did you know that God uses Catholic Radio to bring about understanding and conversion? Catholic Radio is a powerful tool that helps explain the Church's teachings and guides others closer to our Lord through what they hear. By making a planned gift or bequest in your will to the Station of the Cross, you'll be supporting our mission of evangelization for years to come. If you'd like more information on making a planned gift, please talk with your financial advisor or lawyer. You can also speak with us by calling 1-877-888-6279. That's 1-877-888-6279. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved Good to be with you on Mother Miriam Live. I'm so thrilled about this. Um, and we are right in the middle of an email um, from um, a very wonderful woman whose, um, uh, let's see, whose husband, uh, whose husband's parents are um, ex-Catholics. And um, she had called in initially or written in to see if she should go to the Protestant service that the father might have on Sunday and subject her children to that. 
And I unfortunately said yes at the beginning. And it was the next day. It was a wonderful priest who uh, wrote in and uh, corrected me. And the next day, uh, and I, I believed him. I was 100% in union with him. And so the next day I did correct it. Uh, you know, uh, my heart goes toward love, uh, toward um, reaching out to others all the time, sometimes more than it does protecting God's honor and our children and our Catholic faith. So um, I, the next day I went on and said, no, you should not go to that service. You go to Mass if they have that service in their home, and your children do not have to be exposed to that. And she writes, thankfully, his parents did not have a home service after all. I was also able to find a way to attend Mass. My husband, she says, is currently allowing me to raise my child Catholic. Um, All right. Now, you know what? I didn't remember that your husband wasn't Catholic, but I do believe that I remember you were married in the Catholic Church. And if you were married in the Catholic Church and your husband was a baptized Protestant, I think, then your husband agreed to be married in the Catholic Church means your husband agrees to raise your your children Catholic. He made that vow. So she says, my husband is currently allowing me, allowing, he vowed to do that, um, uh, to raise my child Catholic, but struggles with it as he is a strong believer in his faith. And he follows much of what John MacArthur teaches. Well, tell your husband that I personally love John MacArthur. John MacArthur uh, led me to Christ in 1976. He led me personally to Christ. I was with his church for 14 years. I was um, did many things. I taught at the Bible school in the evening, women. I, I, I was secretary to the Bible Institute I was on the evangelization missions team. I was a full-time jail chaplain through that church and their support. Um, I absolutely love that man. I will be eternally grateful for him. And the reason I'm Catholic is something that uh, Scott Hahn once said, midgets see further sometimes than giants because they stand on their shoulders. It's simply the grace of God that penetrated my heart to look further. Uh and I, I pray that God will break through John MacArthur's heart one day as well and lead him to the full measure of Christianity. Of course, I, I wish that. But uh, John MacArthur is very strong. He's also very, very anti-Catholic. So, and he'll say, I'm not anti-Catholic. I'm anti-Catholicism. I'm anti-what? Because he thinks it's Satan's system. So, but he's very strong. He's an outstanding expositor of the word. And um, if your husband follows him, he would be quite a strong evangelical Protestant. Why he doesn't go to church as a Protestant, I don't know. But um, you say he, he does attend, he does not attend a church, but feels that he should be able to teach our children the Bible because that's all they need. No, it's not all they need. Uh, the church didn't come out of the Bible. The Bible came out of the church. And God gave the sacraments and more things other than the written word of God. And the fact is that Martin Luther took seven-plus books out of the Bible single-handedly at the Reformation, so they don't even have the full Bible. Um, It's not all they need. He also wants her husband to show our children material that is not Catholic, such as Bible children's songs, books, and shows. 
I can see his heart in wanting to show our child things of God, but I also do not want to confuse our child and compromise his faith. He, her husband, does not understand why and says there's nothing against the church in the children's books. Oh, yes, there is. But he doesn't see it because he doesn't see with Catholic eyes. He sees that it's all Christian. He doesn't understand. One of the biggest destroyers of the church today is the Alpha Bible Study that bishops have welcomed into their diocese to all the parishes because they don't have a Catholic program and they figure, well, the Protestants have come up with a good one. Let their people do that. It's, it's, it's to me, it's uh, inexcusable. It's, I'm going to simply say it's lazy. It's irresponsible because what bishops are doing is making their entire flock Protestant. And you say, no, 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 it says, it says Alpha for Catholics. It is, of course. It's Protestantism for Catholics, meaning to make Catholics Protestant. They're not so explicit, but that's what it is. You try to find in Alpha for Catholics, try to find a study on the Blessed Mother, on the sacraments, on the one true church. You're not going to find any of that in there. Does that mean what it does teach is false? Yes, because it teaches that that's all you need. And it's not just a matter of doctrinal differences. It's a way of seeing. It's a way I have met women in the Catholic Church as I've given women's conferences. And they come and speak to me, and they've been in Protestant Bible studies for a couple of years. Some of them even lead. I said, you've got to be kidding. And they said, oh, no, no. I say, you're Catholic? And they said, well, yes. I said, well, why are you Catholic? And they have to think. Well, because, uh, well, I was raised Catholic. I said, that's fine. Why are you Catholic now? Well, um, I've always been. Why are you Catholic now? And they think for a while. And one woman said to me, well, um, the Eucharist? I said, are you asking me or telling me? She said, well, I'm telling you. I said, are you sure? What is the Eucharist? She said, well, it's the body and blood of Christ, right? And I said, are you sure? She said, no, but just in case. I'm staying Catholic. She's no longer Catholic. You go to a Protestant Bible study, you study Alpha, or bring that poison into your Catholic parishes. You are destroying your people, and you are making them Protestant. I'm telling you this. And it's a grievous thing. It's a way of seeing. Maybe ask your husband this. Um, He says he does not understand why and says there's nothing against the church in the children's books. Yes, there is. It's the way of presenting things. Uh, Jazz Jesus into your heart, and once saved, always saved. It's not true. It's not true. What about baptism? Not symbolic, but effective, effectual. What about the Eucharist? What about the Blessed Mother? Uh, What about so many confession? What about so many things? Communion? What about all that? Um, The absence of that gives them a false teaching on Christianity, on what our Lord set up. It's a false teaching. Um, one, the way things are worded. Secondly, by what they do not say. And she says, what can I say to help him understand without upsetting or hurting him? Well, you're not going to avoid upsetting or hurting him. You have to say, sweetheart, you are upsetting and hurting me because you agreed to raise our children Catholic. I am sticking to the vow, and you are trying to change it. And he says, no, I'm not. I just want to show them Christian things. And you say, non-Christian things that are not Catholic is not the teaching of the Catholic Church. 
it's the teaching of the church that rebelled, of so-called Catholics who rebelled against the Catholic Church 500 years ago, and it's that teaching been further watered down through 500 years. No, it is not the teaching of Christianity. It may be the teaching of the Christianity you believe, but it is not the Christianity that is the Catholic Church, sweetheart, and you agreed to this at our wedding vow. So I know it's upsetting to you. Perhaps you didn't know what was involved in raising our children Catholic, but it certainly makes sense that it means giving them Catholic material. This may be an analogy. I don't know if it is. I've been to a Unitarian church. Now, Unitarian, uh, someone once, well, I, I, won't, I won't go there. It, it's, it's not Christian. Unitarian is not, I don't even know that they believe in the triune nature of God. I don't know that. And so it's, um, what's that song, uh, let there be peace and let it begin with me. It's just, it's a social Christianity without any firm doctrine, Unitarian. And so you go, now, they have books of study, and your husband uh, listens to John MacArthur. You think John MacArthur is going to take a book from the Unitarian Church and teach his people at Grace Community Church with that? There's no way he'll do that. And you'll say, but a lot of it is true. Well, so what? It's, it's not true. And he'll say, no, that's the devil's watering down the faith and distorting it. And, and he'd be right. And it's the same thing with books that are not Catholic, that are Protestant. In fact, 40,000 Protestant denominations, they don't all agree. And John MacArthur will not pick up any book that's Christian. He'll pick up a book that is the sort of evangelical Protestant than he is. I was with him 14 years. And again, I love that man. I still pray for him. I don't think he thinks that matters, but and maybe he prays for me. But, um, um, but I have seen John's uh, uh, doctrine change through those 14 years. I have seen him corrected by elders of other churches and councils. I have seen that. And he has admitted it um, publicly. And so this is a very good, humble thing for him to do. We're always learning. Uh, But if doctrine can change, and one huge factor was whether the Son of God existed from all eternity or became the Son of God, at the Incarnation. I'm not going to even touch that one to go into it now. It's so incredibly huge. But that presented a very, very great Protest- a problem even for the Protestant world. And he was taken through that and corrected. And so um, you can't say, well, it's a Protestant book. Catholic Church is the church that Christ established and promised to lead into all truth until the end of time. And again, many, many errors are going about. The Pope himself is spreading confusion and error in this day. And it's not the first time that's happened. But he cannot change truth. And what is binding on the faithful to believe has been binding for 2,000 years, and that has never been, not one matter of truth, faith or morals, that is binding on the faithful has ever ever been changed and it cannot be because the Holy Spirit has promised to lead it into all truth. Men are fallible. 
but the truth will not change, and the truth is not protected by fallible men, but by an infallible holy God, who has given his Pope the gift of infallibility, that is to say, that when he teaches something that's binding on the faithful to believe, the Holy Spirit protects him from speaking error at that point. So there's an awful lot here to say, but my dear one, uh, maybe you could, maybe your husband will listen to this podcast. Maybe it'll make him angry. But I say, dear husband, um, my sympathies are with you because I know what John MacArthur teaches. I love that man. He brought me into the faith. He taught me. I have his entire New Testament commentary set. I won't present that publicly, but I have it. I, he signed it over to me. Um, but he's not Catholic. And he, if he only knew what he was missing, if he only knew that the Eucharist truly becomes the body and blood of our Savior, if he only knew what God has given us, not in giving us more than Christ or other than Christ, but the whole Christ, as St. Augustine said, in giving us his church, if he only knew that by the grace of God, he would fly into the church. And so... Um, because he loves God and he's not going to let his reputation or anything stop him from being open to the grace of God. I, at least I pray that. So that's what you need to do. Take him through it. Take your husband through those thoughts and say, sweetheart, I don't want to upset or hurt you, but um, um, I just lost something here. I don't want to upset or hurt you, but... You've made a vow to God and to me, and you are breaking it if you give your children anything other than Catholic material. Is there good Protestant material? Yes, yes, yes. But our children are going to be raised according to our vows to God on Catholic books. And if you think they're pretty much the same, which they're not, then you should have no objection to Catholic books. Um... Read them and get to know them and tell me what you object to in them. And that's what you agreed for us to teach our children. Not easy, beloved. Don't be unequally yoked. At any age, don't be unequally yoked if you can help it at all. Okay, God bless you. There's my hiccups again. At least I waited till today to the end of the program. God bless you, dear ones, and we'll speak with you tomorrow.